You are listening to Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, a monthly radio program that spotlights positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization throughout Philadelphia. I'm your host, Derek Hengemel. Jumpstart Philly is a unique community development program that trains, mentors, networks, and provides funding to aspiring real estate developers in seven different Philadelphia neighborhoods, including Germantown, where the program was founded. Jumpstart believes that you can do well by doing good and focuses on removing neighborhood blight, scattered site rehab, creating a healthy mix of affordable and market rate housing, and avoiding gentrification through slow, steady growth. Interviews are conducted during Jumpstart Germantown's bi-weekly Jumpinar series on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. held via Zoom webinar. For more information about these events, check out the events page at jumpstartgermantown.com. This week, my guest is Rakeem Miller of Rosti Investments, a Jumpstart borrower who is joining us to discuss getting approved for your first rehab loan. I hope you enjoy the conversation and be sure to check out the podcast version of this program at jumpstartgermantown.com slash media. Um, but yeah, thank you again, everybody, for showing up. And uh, let's get started with tonight's discussion, which is a, a big one for Jumpstart and uh, a, for Jumpstarters as well, um, which is about getting your first loan approval. Um, and our guest to talk about this really important topic is Rakeem Miller, who is a seven time uh, now just this week, actually, it just became seven, um, seven time Jumpstart loan recipient um, and a you know notable developer in Germantown who, who's doing a lot of the work that Jumpstart supports. Um, and and he's a, also an expert on the Jumpstart loan program and, uh, you know, sort of the introduction to, to real estate development and uh, has a lot of information I think you guys want to know. So I'm excited to have him here tonight. And uh, Rakeem, why don't you say hi and, and start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Derek, uh, and welcome to everyone. Um, and, and thank you, Angie, for those kind words. Um, it's been a while. Um, we're still kind of in this post. Uh, still feels like 2020 is... Yeah. Still, it's like one year, one big year still, and it's almost seeming like we're coming out of it. So uh, as Derek and Angie mentioned, my name is Rocky Miller. Uh, I'm a uh, managing member of Raw Street Investments. So uh, there's two of us in the company, um, myself and my business partner, Kwame Gray. Uh, so we uh, primarily, uh, we, you know, I live in Germantown, so I'm a Germantown resident. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll get into, you know, how I got involved with, with Jumpstart Germantown. Yeah. Um, that program. Um, so I'm a resident of Germantown. I worked in Germantown prior to going full time into real estate investing. Um, uh, pretty much we we were just focused here and now throughout the city, we're doing a couple of different projects here. Um, we are currently doing about <clears throat> I think we're about to have four projects in the works right now. Um, so that's that's pretty exciting, um, especially during this climate where it's it's kind of uneasy for a lot of folks, and I'm sure we'll we'll kind of get into that a little bit. So so yeah, we Germantown resident, live with my wife, uh, three sons, um, and just try to stay community minded. Um, prior to working uh, full time here at Ross Street Investments, I was at Germantown United CDC, a community development corporation. So I did a lot of housing work there, um, a lot of housing outreach. Um, really learned a lot. Um, at Germantown United CDC, I uh, learned a lot from the executive director, Emily Dolly. Um, just, you know, it's one thing to uh, invest in Philadelphia. It's another thing to actually live here, walk walk it, see it, breathe, um, and just really understanding what's happening here on all fronts. So just happy to be here this evening and, and share some information. And, uh, and I, ho- I hope it's helpful to some folks today. 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're just as happy to have you here, and uh, and thanks for giving us that background. Uh, tell me a bit about how you've grown as an investor. You know, what, what did you start at, and, and where are you now? And I guess even further, like, what, are you, what, what what's on the horizon for you? Yeah. Um, it seems like the other day we didn't know anything. Um, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and it really started organically, to be quite honest. My wife and I we we moved to Germantown. Uh, you know she was pregnant with our, with our middle child um, at the time. So we were living in an apartment and we were renovating our house. We had just purchased a house. Uh, we were renovating the house. We had some contractors in there and it was just one nightmare situation after another. Mm-hmm. And uh, the pressure was on because my wife is pregnant and you know that's a different level of pressure when you're trying to get in your house mm-hmm. and your wife can't get into it. So I essentially was managing the managers, if you will, um, we had a lot of issues with contractors. I, I know that's probably um, not trying to pick on the contractors here, but I know a lot of folks sometimes have those stories. So ended up uh, taking over the project. I had to relieve people from their positions, take over it myself. Um, so I wasn't really expecting to do that. And then as we started going through it, you know, had a had a PhD in Google and essentially tried to figure out what was needed to kind of get through the projects. Mm-hmm. So started managing and subbing out certain things, realized that it wasn't the most difficult thing if you had good, um, some good wits about yourself and you knew who to reach out to for help. You know, you're not, you're not gonna do anything by yourself and be successful. So mm-hmm. um, that so it started off organically like that. Went ahead and finished renovating our own home. Uh, met my neighbor, who's actually my business partner. Uh, we live in Germantown on Ross Street. So that's why our name of our company is called Ross Street Investments. We both live on Ross Street in Germantown. And that would, um, that would be Kwame, right? Yep, that's right, Kwame Gray. Um, so he and I met, we spoke, um, we both civically minded. Um, we both wanted to you know, fix up our block because you know, for, for the issues that did exist um, in, in the surrounding area as well. Um, so at that time, and he little did I know he was also interested in real estate development. Um, I told him about Jumpstart. I went through Jumpstart in 2017. So late 2017, we were actually one of the last classes that were at the, I forgot the address, Derek, you might remember. It was across from Fino's Pizza Shop on Germantown 60, Avenue. Maybe 6825 Germantown? Uh, that's right. Yeah. So we, well, we were at the the location above the post office. Sorry about that. So, oh, um, yeah, I'm not so, familiar. I'm, I'm only, I only know 4701. <laughs> yeah. So it was about 20 of us in that class. I had some really great people in that class as well. Um, it was a very intimate setting, so I got to speak to Ken a lot. Um, you know, as you know, uh, the beautiful thing about Jumpstart is uh, Jumpstart brings in a, a during the training program brings in a ton of speakers, so there was a wealth of information. So, you know, I had my ears open, I had my pen and pad ready, and I was just taking as much information as I could, trying to network with as many people as I could. Um, when I was done with the program, I told my now business partner about it. He took it in 2018. Um, we decided that we would go a lot farther and quicker if we joined forces. So um, that's essentially what we did, and, and it's been it's been pretty good ever since then. Cool, cool. Yeah, I know you you've received several loans with Jumpstart, and um, you know completed projects outside of that as well. Um, you know what what's next for you? Are you uh, you know looking to do bigger <coughs> projects in the future? Um, you know partner with other people. You know what, what what's it look like for you? Absolutely. Um, I think. You know, I think it's really important for folks to partner with people, um, especially black developers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, black developers, 
um, for as long as probably for as long as we could think of have, have the issue has been access to capital. Um, there's a lot of smart people who've gone through who've gone through Jumpstart. There's a lot of smart people in Philly. Um, you know, I'm I'm not some unicorn. Um, you know, I, you know, I have confidence, but there's a ton of people like me who have the capability. They just don't have the access to capital. Um, that's one thing that Jumpstart has helped close the gap. So that's a beautiful thing. But then we talk about how do we put our um, capital together and really kind of move forward. So, um, I mean, I'm I'm living testament to that. My partner and I really we 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 embodied that, right? So, um, and it, it doesn't just stop with us. So. We've primarily focused on single family housing. And uh, when we first started, that was our niche. And I think it's important to really have a niche when you start. Um, sometimes I hear um, some folks who have never done any projects, they, they uh, and you never want to shoot anybody's dreams down, but they, they want to start off with new construction mm-hmm. off the bat. And not to say it can't be done because it has been done, but that's definitely not the path of least resistance. And um, so you kind of want to find a niche um, if you went through the Jumpstart program, or the training program, if you're going to go go through it, you're going to hear Ken say, beware of mission creep, right? So essentially, you don't want to be all over the place. You don't want to say, oh, I'm going to do a single now and then do a triplex here. Um, you know, you want to you wanna organically evolve into these things because you want to get some level of expertise, you know? Um, today is the worst you'll ever be at whatever you're doing. Like every day, you're incrementally going to get better. Um, especially if you put that work in. So you want to go ahead and if you do single families, you want to knock out as many single families as you can. And eventually you're going to start learning things and it's going to, you're going to have a a ton of aha moments like, oh, I can do this a little bit better. Um, So that's what we did. We started off with single families until it became formulaic, if you will, um, naturally evolved to uh, duplexes, duplex conversions. Um, So properties that were actually had the proper zoning, RM1 zoning, um, that were large enough to accommodate two families. Um, we don't want folks living, um, being squeezed. Um, that's, you know, just for us to make a buck, so to speak. Um, we want tenants to be comfortable. Um, so we kind of focus on that niche right now. We still will do singles as they present itself, but we ultimately hope to get to larger apartment buildings, um, after a while, it, you know, when you first start out, it seems very daunting, like a huge mountain to climb, but you realize the same processes that you're utilizing to do a single, to do duplexes, to do triplexes, mm-hmm. they're pretty much the same if you're going to do um, larger scale projects. Obviously, you're, you're, you have a problem and it's your job to solve it. So that's really what developers are, uh, responsible developers. You have problems and you're trying to solve it. And there's a whole ecosystem that kind of goes into that. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much gold, even, even in 10 minutes of talking. So thanks so much for, uh, for, for, you know, explaining where, where you came from and what your business has done. Um, I, now let's, you know, jump into the topic for tonight, which is loan approvals um, and, and talk about, uh, I'll, I'll kind of set the stage of who the, the person we're talking to. And I think a lot of people on the call might be able to relate Um you know, they they finished the Jumpstart program. They went through it like yourself, um, and, and they they've finished. And and you know, the obvious loan option for them is to apply for a Jumpstart loan. Um, but they're you know struggling in that initial application review phase, and and even maybe putting together a pro forma. They you know th- those are things that, like you said, you you only get experience by doing, and and you're not going to know more about it until you've done it ten times. <laughs> um, right. So t- talking to those people, um, let's talk about like kind of the basics of lending and and some 
some, you know, not best practices, but but some things that seem obvious to you, you know, who's done the loan app seven times, but not, might not be for a newer person. Um, speaking generally, outside of Jumpstart's loan, what loan options uh, exist for for rehab projects? So you, you graduated the Jumpstart program, you want to take on a rehab project. What what are your options? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, and there there are many options, but if you're a aspiring developer, a real estate investor, um, the main type of loans you're probably gonna focus on or hear a lot about are your, your buy, um, obviously everything start with buy, so your buy, renovate and sell. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people call those flips. I choose not to use uh, the terminology flip mm -hmm. um, just because unfortunately some bad actors has, has it, it creates, um, some people think you just come in you do a subpar job and you just get out of there as quickly as you can now. And those people do exist. Like, um, so when you hear flip. That, that word is interesting to me because I've heard it used in context where it's like a full gut rehab. And then I've heard it used in context where they literally mean, you know, quick day, day or two flip, flip the property. It's, it's confusing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I try not to use it. Um, I, I'm very literal. So we buy it, mm -hmm. we, we, we'll renovate it and then we'll sell it. Um, we primarily, um, Raw Street Investments, my partner and I, uh, we focus more on holds. We want to have a little bit more um, of a stakehold in the community. And we feel like we can do that by actually holding on to the property. So mm -hmm. even though it is a business, that is our model. And we think we can really not just sell the property. If we hold these properties, we can do cleanups, which we've done. We can reach out to uh, other people on the block. We can... Um, kind of plant our flag, especially especially in Germantown, um, because we live here. Um, mm -hmm. So that really matters. So yeah, so getting back to what you asked, Derek. Um, mm -hmm. So you're gonna primarily hear a buy, renovate and sell, also mm -hmm. known as a flip, um, a buy, renovate and hold. So you're buying the property, you're renovating it, you're getting some financing, which we'll speak about in a second, and then you're holding the property to uh, uh, eventually your end user is gonna be a tenant. So you're gonna have uh, hopefully some families in there, um, and you're going to hold on to that for a specified amount of time. And really, and then you have other loans, but as far as uh, for what we're talking about, those are really your main ones. You're either going to, those are your main exit strategies. Um, you're either going to sell the house or you're going to uh, hold the house. Now, some people who uh, hold the house as rentals, they ultimately might have a strategy to, to sell it at a later time. Um, mm -hmm. I know some other investors, they, they'll try to sell it five years, 10 years, um, depending on whatever their particular strategy is. But just on a macro level, you, you really, those are the two main uh, types of loans that you should be focused on when you're starting out. And what does that mean um, for people when they're going to to choose one of those in terms of like approval? Like, like why, why would... <laughs> Uh, why would a lender care, you know, what your exit strategy for the, the property is? I know it's a dumb question, but like, uh, I'm trying to, yeah, like, like approval, you know, what, what is that? Um, how, how does that decision play into the financing option you're looking at? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll speak uh, to my experience. Um, first of all, it, you should just know your exit anyway. Like it's great to have flexibility on that because things do come up. Um, but you really want to go in knowing what you want to do. You want to have some level of confidence how you want to execute that because that's the first chip, right? So once you kind of know what you're going to do, then every subsequent item after that will be a little bit easier. You'll you'll be able to say, okay, this is this is the other side of that bridge. 
So this is where I want to go. Now, how do I build that bridge to get to that location? Right. So that's essentially what, what you're, what you're thinking. So um, as far as jumpstart uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, I mostly hold, but I think for jumpstart, you you need to be at a, a 20% return on investment. Correct. Yep. Um, right. So if you're, if you're selling a home, um, so if your plan is to buy it, renovate it and sell it maybe to a homeowner, which is, uh, especially needed. First of all, housing is just a, a huge, there's just an undersupply of housing uh, in Philadelphia nationwide. So if you're part of the solution, you're creating great housing and you want to sell it to a homeowner, um, then great. So, but just know if you're utilizing Jumpstart's financing, you're going to, that you're going to need to be at 20, a 20% return on investment. And really it's not greedy. It's really to designed to protect you. Um, is really designed to make sure that you have enough of a buffer in case something comes up that you you're able to sustain that and um and be solid to continue doing this because the whole plan is not for you to just do a one off and just never do it again. You want to do it, be able to say you survived it, not only survive but thrive, have some capital and move forward and continue to get better and continue to invest in the community that you're that you're doing work in. So um, and then if you're doing a buy and hold like we do primarily and your plan is to have tenants long term there and create, you know, better housing in that regard, you if you're going through Jumpstart, you need to be at about 10 percent of a return on your investment. And there's a lot more uh, that goes into it. I'm sure we'll dive into Derek um, on the on if you're buying, renovating and selling it. Uh, most lenders are not really as worried about your credit score because they, they're doing their own due diligence. So if they're going to approve you, they, they've done their homework. This is what they do. Uh, they, they know if this is a good deal or not. They're not going to finance or fund something that they think it's not uh, a smart move for them and ultimately you. So your, your interests are kind of aligned there. Um, but, you know, credit, a credit score won't really come into play here. But if you're holding it, um, you know, that's an exit. But in order to get to that exit strategy, um, you're you're going to have to refinance the house. So Jumpstart and other lenders are going to want to make sure that some of your financials are in order. They want to make sure your credit score is solid because the secondary bank that you refinance with to get a permanent loan, these are requirements that they have. So you need to be on point with that because Jumpstart needs to get out their loan because they're not holding the loan. It's, it's essentially a short term or a bridge loan about a year or so, and then there might be some legal room for extensions. Um, but that's, so, and, and then also that's just on the banking side, but also you want to know where you're going because it's going to, it's, that will dictate the level of renovation that you perform. Um, not that if you, you know, we do what we believe to be high quality uh, renovations, even for rentals, mm -hmm. but there is, you know, it's no, it's no lie that, when you're buying, renovating, and selling a home, you know you take there's a, another level there. Mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a difference in the level of renovation that exists. Um, certain things that um, if you're holding it that you can you, that might not be a priority at that moment from a strictly aesthetic standpoint. Not a safety because you ne you never want to like uh, shortcut anything on safety, but from an aesthetic standpoint, um, that might be okay at that moment when you're selling it, the end user will be a, a bit more critical. Um, and ultimately you have one exit and you need to sell it. And it, and that's a, and interest is mounting. So you, you wanna make sure that you put your best foot forward in anything, but particularly when you're selling something. So 
these are why it's important to really know how you want to go with those. Yeah, great. And I, I really like what you said um, at, at some point there that the, your interests are kind of aligned, right? Is your lender and, and you, especially a lender like Jumpstart, who, you know, we spend a lot of time training you guys and, and, and teaching and, and serving as like a, you know, like, like a boost, a jump starter for people, if you will. Right. Um, but but a traditional bank is going it, to, it'll be a different scenario, right? Like like you said, they do all that financial due diligence research before you probably even have a chance to know whether your loan is going to be approved or not, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So so I like that the interests are aligned and it's important to remember that. Um, and I, I think especially working with Jumpstart, it's like when if we say something is concerning or raising a red flag to us, it's because we don't want you to fail. It's, it's not because, you know, um, you know, we think we're smarter than you or anything like that. Um, it's a, it's definitely a, we both want to get the project completed. Um, it's just a matter of how to get there. Right. Um, let's, let's, let's be clear. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Derek shut me down with a few things. Okay. So let's just, oh, boy. Let's, get, let's get that out the way. Um, no, 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 but, but no, you're a hundred percent right, Derek. Um, like Jumpstart takes it further with, um, you know, and I'm going to sound like a Jumpstart commercial, but I, I'm living proof of, of how it's really like uh, how transformative it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys take it a step further with aligning interest because there's a lot of education. There's a huge educational component to it. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say handholding, but it is some handholding and that's necessary when you're starting. And, you know, there's a lot of other uh, banks and lenders that just won't do that. They, 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 they just. That's just not how the the model is and how they're set up. Jumpstart has a huge educational component, and it really benefits you. I've had some, um, you know, Derek said we got approved for our seventh uh, Jumpstart project, which was two row homes uh, in Germantown, but which was the latest. But what he didn't say was how many that didn't go through successfully. Right. Um, for so for as many we, we were approved for, there's maybe three, four, five times as much of six times as much pro formers that we did that just didn't work out. Either uh, Jumpstart came back and said, hey, it doesn't work out for X, Y, Z reasons, or because we saw it ourselves and said, we're not even going to submit this to Jumpstart. We're, we're like at that point, you're just trying to force something that you clearly can see doesn't work. And, you know, it's when you're first starting out, you have this urgency to just really want to get into this space, into this industry so badly that um, you may do some things that just are not in your interest. You may look past some numbers, um, but you don't ever wanna force yourself to do things like that. It, it really is about discipline. Um, and even if that means you went a whole year, um, not, not, not a whole year of being afraid to jump in because you need to jump in, but literally a whole year of, of analyzing performance, looking at potential deals and seeing that it doesn't work, that's smart because you want to make sure that you stay fine-tuned, um, you stay sharp, and then when you see something that you know makes sense, you're ready to capitalize on it. So I, just, I think that's very, really important. And Jumpstart really helps you with that. So even if you submit something that gets rejected, that's not a loss. That's actually a positive. That's Now, now you know okay, that's one thing I know to look out for. You're just going to get better and better at it. Um, and the more you continue to just submit and do things. Yeah, awesome. Um, cool. Well, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper in on the loan application process and and, and maybe like try and walk through the, the steps of getting a loan approval. Um, so it all starts with due diligence, right? And and let's, let's 
start from like the first time you that the property pops into your head or you walk by and you see an abandoned property and you're like, oh, maybe I'll look at who owns that or something. Um, take, us, take us through, you know, your kind of steps getting to the loan application submission. So so how do you, I mean, I mean, obviously you, you're, you have a business, you, you do things a certain way, but how would you recommend any new jumpstarter kind of take on that task of doing due diligence for a project they want to submit a loan application for? Absolutely. So, and, and you're saying, Derek, this is after, <clears throat> after you've identified the property already. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Say, say you've identified a project and, and um, you, you know, your financing option is, is jumpstart. Um, how do you get from that point to a loan application being submitted? Sure. Um, so, and I'm just thinking about my own experience. So if you, you've identified a property, let's say you have it under contract or you're, um, you're talking to someone, you feel really good about it, whoever that intermediary is, um, at that point, you wanna, you wanna do your research, right? So um, when we first started out, I was not a real estate agent, um, you know, and there's pros and cons to it, right? So I decided that um, I wanted to do that on, on behalf of our company to be able to, uh, do, to have better due diligence. And by, by no means is that the only way to go because prior to that, um, you know, we have relationships with other uh, real estate agents. And so at that point, you want to, you want to do your due diligence. Like Derek said, you want to go in and first of all, you want to make sure that what you're buying the property for makes sense. Right. And that's, you, you're going to need to do a couple of things to, to see if that number makes sense. Um, you won't know right away. So let's say you buy a property, let's say you found something for $50,000, um, and then at that point, you know, you're going to need to do some work to it because that's the type of business that we're in. You're going to need to renovate it. Um, at that point, if you're working with a realtor, if you're working, uh, speaking to another realtor, you want to get in that property. So you want to you want to see inside of it. You want to know what's actually needed because you're trying to come up with uh, how much did you buy the house for? How much uh, are you going to need to renovate the home? And what is it going to be worth? Right. So those are like your three main things later on and not much later, but right after that, you're going to want to know, say you're holding it, how much rent um, do you expect to get? Cause that's critical um, in this process. So mm -hmm. you have a price, you, you feel good about it. You want to get inside the property. Um, you want to get a, a, a general contractor to walk with you. Right. So Again, we're also general contractors now. Um, we started a general contracting company, but when we first started out, we didn't, we weren't there. Um, so we have relationships with different general contractors. Um, and eventually you will find one that you like. Sometimes that's challenging and, you know, especially in, in such a competitive space, but you want to, they, they're also looking for business. So your interests are aligned there. So you want to reach out to multiple general contractors, multiple, and don't feel weird getting them in the house at the same time. Right. Like it, I, when we first started out, I felt bad about it. And the person I was then is not who I am today. Um, you know, you want to get folks in there. You want to let them know that you're serious. Um, mm -hmm. You want to let them know, like, OK, there's competition. So you want the best number, but you want to also make sure they're licensed. You get some recommendations. Take a look at their work. Um, get their numbers. So at that point, once you have a good diversity of numbers there, you kind of you kind of know where you're for the most part where you're probably going to land um, from a from a renovation standpoint. So now you have what you're going to buy it for, what you're going to renovate it for. Um, at that point, you want to do your due diligence. So if you're not a real estate agent, 
I suggest you get it, you, you, you become best friends with a real estate agent very quickly, or you go and do the work. You actually get on uh, some of these resale sites and look at uh, recently closed properties, right? So you don't have to have the MLS for that. It, it, it's definitely advantageous to have someone who can give you that access, but there's, that's not the only way. You know, go in, do the work, find out what houses close for. Um, you get an idea of what it's going to be uh, valued at, depending on and what kind of work was done to get it to that level. Mm -hmm. At that point, you have your own internal criteria. A lot of investors, um, like myself, have uh, their own internal criteria. And, and I'll say this: for instance, um, they'll they will feel or we will feel like if the house is appraised at two hundred thousand dollars, let's say we want to be all in for somewhere around 65%, 70%, somewhere around there, right? Like that, there's a certain, that it doesn't always work out that way. And it's not a, a hard and fast rule, but you want to be, you want to have some kind of place you want to land. That, what that does is put you in a solid place on a refinance side, which is your exit. So at that point, Let's say you know what you're going to buy the house for. You know what you're going to renovate the house for. You know what it's going to be appraised for, for the most part, right? And when I say what you know what it's going to be appraised for, uh, you're looking at what houses uh, recently sold for, and you want to get some more diversity there too. You don't want to just pick one house that sold for that and then make that the rule. And can I ask you something a little specific about that? Are you um, are you marking down comps that you're finding and saying, "Oh, this one sold for you know three fifteen. I'm gonna anticipate that the market's gonna drop in six months and, and it'll be three hundred. Are, are you doing that, um, or, or is this you know something that you let the lender take care of? <laughs> no, no, I'm doing that, and that's a great question, Derek. Thank you for saying it. I also do ranges, right? So I don't, you know, and I'm pretty conservative when it comes to that. So let's say, for instance, we did a project recently that was appraised for, um, so when I did my due diligence, I had it coming in at uh, $330,000. It was gonna be appraised for $330,000, but my range had me at 280 to 330. Mm -hmm. And I stayed at the 280 range and I needed that deal to make sense at 280. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if it was marginal, then sure you can go up, but I'm certainly not gonna just think of the best case scenario. Like um, not a negative person, but in real estate, I'm gonna, try to guard against the worst, you know, the worst case scenario. So at 280 or, and it ended up appraising for 285, right? But we were still, we were still solid. Um, so, and then you make a great point. Um, we're in such an uncertain time now. You want to, and I remember when COVID first hit, I remember you guys reducing ARVs by 10%. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that's something that's really important. Once you have that down, you're conservative, meaning you're not, just thinking of the best case scenario because it doesn't, you know, most of the time it doesn't work out that way, but you guard against that. Mm -hmm. um, and you, and you feel really, you feel like you're fundamentally sound at that point, then you can say, okay, you know what? I bought the house for this. This is what they're asking. I'm going to renovate it for this. Okay. This makes sense with my metrics, but sometimes you find out that, you know what, what you thought made sense because everybody thinks they know what something's going to be worth, right? Like I remember looking at a house in Temple and saying, oh, it has to be worth this, like, of course. But the numbers told the story and I was shocked, but I can't fight the numbers. And they were what they were and we had to walk away from it. It just didn't make sense. So once you kind of get into your numbers, you might have a situation where you're like, you know what? We're gonna have to renovate this for $20,000 less. But if you see that that's unrealistic, don't try to mm -hmm. cut corners because that's not realistic. So you kind of so, wanna go back and get the house 
for less. Like, I mean, and if you get it, you get it. Great. But if not, you're going to have to walk away from it. Right. Right. So it, it sounds like there's, there's three main variables that are always kind of in play with you is the purchase price, how much it's going to cost to renovate and how much you're going to be able to get it appraised for. Right. And it's like, I, I feel like um, what's successful for people, and it sounds like it's successful for you is to, to do all this in your head before even think about trying to put it in a, in a loan application or anything. Like it needs to make sense um, outside of the context of, you know, wanting your loan to get approved. You know what I mean? Um, like, I, I don't know. I just like how much you're talking about the, all these steps that you're taking um, even before, you know, opening up the pro form and starting to type numbers in and get an application together. Right. And a lot of people, exactly. And a lot of people probably want to avoid it. It's like trying to apply for a job and you're like, oh man, I don't feel like writing that cover letter. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's like, nah, you have to do this. Um, and you, because, you know, what folks don't want to do is do all of this and then it gets rejected. And they're like, man, I just did that. But that's part of the process. Um, and you just become sharper by doing that. And these pro formers that seem like tedious become second nature after a while. Like you kind of know, you know, after a while, it, it kind of like slows down for you a little bit. And I think and Jumpstart offers a pro forma that's excellent, right? So I still use, I mean, I have other calculators and sometimes I have all these like fancy calculators now and I end up coming right back to like some of the Jumpstart stuff because just the fundamentals are there. And, you know, you go in there you, and, and it's ready made. So you can plug in your ARV, what you think it's going to be once you've done that due diligence. Mm-hmm. You can plug in what you what you expect to purchase it for, um, what you think you're going to renovate it for. And at that point, you get to you get to maneuver those uh, levers to see what's realistic and what you can do, what's viable. If you're just tuning in, this is a conversation with Raheem Miller of Ross Street Investments, who is a Jumpstart borrower joining us to discuss getting approved for your first rehab loan. Thanks for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. I hope you're enjoying the discussion. Right. So now we're getting to the point where you're actually, you know, starting the loan app process and like looking at what we are requiring you to fill out for us. Right. Um, so so is, there, is there a time where you, you know, decide like, OK, like, I mean, there's got to be a time that, that you go, I'm going to submit an application for this, um, you know, where you kind of make that decision. You're like, I, I've reached the point of due diligence where I'm confident enough that I, I'll take the risk of, you know, there, there's no risk, you know, but I'll take the chance of, of putting this in front of Jumpstart and seeing what happens. Um, how, how do you get to that point? How do you know when you've reached that point? Uh, you got to jump. Uh, you just have to jump. And I, I think about the first time that we did it, we, 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 man, we didn't know anything. And, um, <laughs> you know, we put it in and I, I never forget it. Um, I think we put something in for 528 uh, East Rittenhouse Street. I, that, I just remembered addresses. Mm-hmm. And um, we went there. Uh, we checked it out. Um, Ultimately, it didn't make sense, but I just think submitting things, like once the numbers seem solid and you know that you're being true to uh, being wise about how you're going about your business, that you're not trying to back into numbers, because if, 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 if you feel like you're backing into numbers to the point where you're just trying to make a deal happen, run away from that. Just walk away from it. Um, it just doesn't make sense. It's not for you. Mm-hmm. I know it feels like, especially, and don't fall in love. To the point where you're like, oh man, I love the house so much because I, if you live in Germantown, you love older houses, you love architecture, you 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 love uh, preserving as much as you can. So sometimes you 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 kind of fall in love with these houses. You want to, you feel like 
let me fix that because somebody else is going to do a, a bad job and I don't want them to mess up something so beautiful. Um, but, you know, you can't you can't do that at the cost of putting your company and, and your ability to move forward in jeopardy. Sometimes you just have to walk away um, if it's not fundamentally sound. But if to your point, Derek, if it is, if you feel good about it, you've had at least three or more contractors come come uh, come through, take a look at it, give you some insight. You you check to see what houses are selling for. You feel good about that controlling for what Derek just said. Um, that feels solid to you. And you're doing this quickly too. You're not taking forever doing this stuff. Like you're trying to move pretty quickly because houses can go like that. So you don't have the luxury of just taking your times with, with that. So if you feel good about that at that point, you, you submit your application. And, um, and at, at, the, at that point, you're expecting to hear back from Jumpstart either that day, depending on how early it is, or or the next day, the next business day. That's exactly the answer I give other people, Rocky. <laughs> um, yeah. But but yeah, we, we we do get back quick, and uh, and uh, like we, we've talked about the whole process getting up to this point, right? When the loan application submitted, and uh, we're, we're kind of running out of time, so I want to not speed through, but but quickly cover the the review and approval process, right? And, and sort of move it through after it, it gets to our desk. Um, you know, I can just even speak on, on, on Jumpstart's end. You know, we get that loan application and like Rakeem said right before, you know, the end of that business day or the next day, we're going to get back to you with like an initial review and just kind of covering, you know, what, what if there's anything that's missing from the application, you know, if your pro forma had some numbers missing or um, if there's any like red flags that kind of popped up, um, you know, we'll, we'll either say that or we'll say, hey, we need a, a, another day or two to, to look over this and review the ARV and everything, but you're going to hear back from us. Um, so Rakeem, from, from a, a borrower's standpoint, um, what, what do you think people should be doing in that time phase? Like after they hit submit, um, what should they prepare themselves, um, you know, between then, them and let's say an inspection happening? Um, well, they should be prepared to, to have feedback. Um, and a lot of times I know, you know, when I've had feedback, it's been about comps, right? So um, you want to make sure that's solid. Um, but let's say you get past that point um, and it's time for an inspection. Uh, depending on if you're doing Jumpstart Philly or Jumpstart Germantown, either way, someone's going to come out who's experienced. Um, I've had Ken come out. Uh, one time, Kate came out. Um, Neil recently came out with you, Derek, you were there. Um, yeah. But you're going to have experienced people who know what they're talking about come in. They want to, and it's not an inspection like, they're trying to just not do it because the house is in not great shape. Because a lot of times the houses that we look at and you're getting them for a certain price, they're not in great shape. So that, you know, everyone kind of expects that that's not the issue. They want to verify that the numbers that were given to you um, are realistic. Right. And that really does protect you because um, you don't want a number that's just unrealistic and you have somebody who's just trying to get your business and they give you just some like insane number just to get through the door and next thing you know, you're in the project and they're trying to hit you with change orders all day or they're trying to say, oh, I can't do it for this. And, right. and you're like, wait a minute. So they, they, so Jumpstart is going in there to verify that, okay, this looks realistic. Um, this is actually viable. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you think of this? Um, because a lot of times when, we, when we're newer, we don't know, uh, we don't know what we don't know. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, guys have done this for a ton of time. So you're able to anticipate certain issues. And then the last project we went through, um, Neil kind of put me onto some stuff in, the, in that back basement that I didn't even think about. And I was like, okay, great. And, and told me a strategic way to kind of handle that, to, to kind of keep costs in line. So 
that was great. So this is the type of information that's happening uh, during the inspection. So it's like that, that last, um, it's a good thing when you get to that point. It's not a slam dunk, but it's a good thing when you get to that point. And it really will give you a realistic view of, of how viable it will be at that point uh, if you're going to move forward. Yeah. And I like that you said it's a good thing because, it, 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 you know, if, if you did the, the process correctly and you did your due diligence, the inspection shouldn't be anything to be afraid of. Right. You should know exactly, um, you know, you should know everything that you know and then expect to learn a lot. Right. And it's it's not necessarily like you're trying to prove something to somebody or uh, or, or um, you know, I, I just like your, your perspective that it is a good thing. Um, and we, we want it to be a, a good experience. And um, and then after that, um, you know, we issue the letter of commitment, you know, and then we start that that process towards settlement. So. Um, you know, we move quick um, and, and, you know, that enables you guys to move quick and, and be competitive. Um, but yeah, R- Rakeem, I know I want to leave enough time for Q&A here um, if, if people want to start. And, and, questions. and Derek, can I say one thing? I just really want to say this last part. Don't be afraid of, of, of sounding like you don't know what you're talking about when you're first starting. Like, like I, you know, so many people want to like look the part and be the part um, and not look silly, but it's okay. I look silly all the time. And you can't be afraid of that. Um, you have a lot of smart people around you. You want to utilize them. You want them to give you information. You want to take advantage of that. A lot of lenders don't have that set up. So you really want to take advantage of a brain trust that you have at your disposal and um, and, and, and ask questions. Come with that. So I'll, I'll leave it at, at that. Just don't be afraid to ask those questions, especially at inspection time. It's really going to assist you. Cool. All right, great. And uh, yeah, I have a couple more questions here, but basically it just it runs us through, um, you know, the, the approval process and, you know, you'll get that letter of commitment issued to you, um, you know, which then you sign and, and start your process with the loan. Um, so just a, a little bit of a, a closing end here. Um, Post approval, you know, after you, you get that approval, the letter of commitment happens. Um, like, what do you what words of advice do you have people for that that race to settlement? Like, um, is there anything? That you think people should be aware of because I, I think some people not might not realize how long it takes um, in, in some cases or or the potential you know mishaps that could could come up. Um, what, what's your experience with that process? Um, I think you want to always uh, farm out expertise, so you want to find a great title company, mm-hmm. right? That they will help guide you through a lot of questions and and things and and be upfront with them. Say, hey, look, this is my first time. But that way you can gain some favor with patients. If you don't tell them that they think you know what you're doing and you ask all these questions, they're like, what's, what's going on with this person? So let them know ahead of time. Hey, this is my first time. Um, get a title company to help shepherd you through the way. If you find a solid one, get some recommendations on that as well. Just think of that as like the one-stop shop to kind of make everything happen at that point. Um, Jumpstart sends out, once you get the once you get approved, then you pay your commitment fee because there's a commitment fee, which does go towards... Um, once you pay that, everything's successful. It will go towards the uh, uh, the loan, if I'm correct. You could let it, me know. Derek. So it, yeah, it, it uh, partly uh, covers your inspection fees. Um, so so right. you have four inspections over the course of the loan, and we have to pay those inspectors. So that comes out of your commitment fee, right? Yeah. So you guys sent a, a great letter. Um, I'm actually I pulled it up now. So you're you're yeah. asking for title insurance. You're asking for insurance. So you want to make sure you're reaching out to an insurance agent. Uh, getting uh, again a diversity of of different um, uh, bids on what that will cost to have uh, general and dwelling liability, right? Jumpstart really will give you all of what you need. So it's as simple as going down the list: one, two, three, four, five. 
checking off those boxes to make sure you have that in order. Um, the beautiful thing is once you do your first loan, um, you'll, you'll, it'll forever change how you do things. You'll, you'll, you'll just get better at it. Um, obviously you want to have your, uh, if you're buying in, in a, if you're buying in a corporate entity, a LLC, um, like most people do, you want to have that stuff together. You want to have anything you need from the city of Philadelphia. You want to have your, um, your activity license. You want to have, um, different items like that in order because they're going to be needed to close in that corporate entity. Um, if you're buying in person, it's a, a bit different. Um, so yeah, and, and again, Jumpstart really will supply you with what you need um, and you can really just kind of go through there as well. And if you're going through Jumpstart, you went through the training program, you have a mentor, please use your mentors. Um, please talk to other Jumpstarters. I know I do, I still speak to Jumpstarters. My partner's a Jumpstarter. Um, I was talking to a Jumpstarter the other day. It's It's... You're always learning. You're always staying connected. And there's no such thing as a dumb question. Please, we've all been there. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Rakeem. That was awesome. Um, well, I, I think we can move in today because uh, we've opened the floodgates and gotten a lot so far. Um, and let me know if you've got a heart. Oh, can you hear me all right? I see my internet was unstable. Yep. Can, gotcha. I, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, so if, if you have a hard out, just let me know. Um, but I'll keep working through these questions. And if we need to go over a little uh, past 8 p.m., just let me know if that's all right. Um, so the, the first question here comes from Peter. And he was wondering, when it came back to pay your first Jumpstart loan off, uh, was it difficult to refinance, especially refinance, refinancing through your LLC, which perhaps had no previous credit history? So, uh, you know, what, what is the, is there difficulties in refinancing if you don't have any, you know, previous history of doing a loan like this? Um, no, no. And Peter, uh, to answer your question, no, we were brand new. I will say this. Um, at the time, I was working full time while we had our company. So I had W-2 income. Um, mm -hmm. So certain refinance partners uh, love that more than others. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't have W-2 income, you're doing this full time. Uh, there's just going to be certain banking institutions that you're just not going to go through because they have different uh, different criteria. But there's no shortage of other companies that have uh, different loan products that that's exactly what you're looking for, whether it's 30 year fixed refinance products, whether it's uh, five year reset uh, products that have a, like a, a descending um, pay schedule before you have any prepayment penalties. There's there's a ton of them. So that, that's not something that will stop you. Even when we first started, it wasn't an issue for us. And it, and it, and it has not been since then. Great. Awesome. Next question comes from Amatula and they're saying, how many, how much funds do we have to set aside for the loan approval process? So maybe if you could just explain what the costs are from the borrower's end, um, you know, to, to get a Jumpstart loan. Sure. So Jumpstart um, and pretty much any uh, lending uh, company, uh, lending institution, but Jumpstart requires that the borrower bring uh, about 15%. So they do 85% LTC, which is loan to cost of the total project. So you wanna bring 15% to the table. Um, the, the bigger that is, the more, the more capital you're gonna have to bring. Um, that sometimes is a challenge for people. I know some folks, um, and Jumpstart's gonna be in the first lien position. So you can't, you're not really gonna have a private investor if you have one who's gonna uh, be able to be in the first position lien. Um, so that that won't happen. You want to have funds yourself. And this is what I was talking about in the past. Um, when we first started, I didn't have a ton of capital. My partner had access to capital through another company that was really instrumental in, in helping us grow, G-Square. 
of associates and they helped us come up with that seed money. So without them, I don't think we'd be where we are right now at this moment. Um, so that was really instrumental. So if you know you have everything else together, but capital is an issue, you want to, your first thing you want to do is go find someone who has capital who doesn't have the know-how that you know. That Even if that takes a while, that's a worthwhile um, uh, exercise, trust me. So you're going to need about 15% and some other funds as well for ancillary costs. And uh, one thing to keep in mind, uh, Jumpstart is not going to front the construction costs. So you want to have some way to get construction started. You can be creative. When we first started, we didn't have anything. So we had a contractor who understood what we were trying to do. They had the capability and the bandwidth to, to kind of take on things at the beginning and they get paid in arrears. So it worked out there. When you're first starting out, I, I, I think it's sound to, to really negotiate with a contractor that you feel good about to see if they can come up with that kind of arrangement. That might be helpful for you if capital is an issue. And I know it, it often is for newer investors. Yeah, great. Yeah, awesome. That was, that was, you're, you're exactly right on what Jumpstart requires. Um, you know, we say the 15% the equity, um, unless you own the project, right, and, and you're applying for a 100% construction only loan, you wouldn't be required to have that equity. Um, but, you know, in either case, you would you'd be required for to pay closing costs. Um, and, you know, like you said, the funds to get construction started, the holding costs for the loans, like your, your children, utility bills, insurance, taxes, on all, all that. Um, and then also our, our commitment fee, which you, you pay right after the, um, the the inspection happens. And all those costs, when you're on looking at the pro forma, they're all outlined in like a cash needed box. So we try and be really transparent and, and let you know before you know we get too deep in the process, so so you know what your uh, your equity is going to be. Um, all right, thanks for that question, Amatula. And the next one comes from Venus. She was wondering, did you get your inspection first or before you put in the offer? So. The inspection happens after you, you've gotten the property under agreement. So you would have submitted an offer by that point, right? That's correct. We submitted the offer. And when we first started out, we got inspections. Um, we don't really do that a whole lot now at this point. Um, every once in a while, we'll do so for informational purposes if we think it's worth it. Um, and, and, and at that point, it makes sense at the beginning. And you're spending a couple of hundred bucks. And it's 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 well worth it to, to just get an, an assessment of, of what you can't see as best as they can. And even with that, there's still certain things they can't see. They can't rip out walls and look behind it. Uh, we're dealing with a project right now where we thought it was cool, but the whole back pretty much is falling apart. So you can basically look out, there's no back wall in the whole house. Uh, we have to rip out the roof so you can see the sky. Um, it's just, we didn't expect any of that. Um, we knew it was gonna be bad. We didn't know it was gonna be that bad. So, um, but we wouldn't have taken on this project years ago and now we will. Um, so yeah, you wanna get you wanna get an inspection when you're first starting out. At some point you will evolve to not needing it, but it's it's money well spent and you're probably gonna get it sometime after what you said. Awesome. Um, we've got a couple questions here on um, property sourcing and Chuck was wondering what process do you use to find properties in Germantown? And Leah was wondering, um, you know, she wanted to know how you usually source your properties. She's a realtor and relies on MLS and has been unable to find a deal that fits the numbers. So where have you had success looking for properties? Yeah, when we first started out, um, we, you know, we had a mentor and he uh, put us in contact with folks who were selling off market. Um, and that's always, you know, can be controversial because you, you don't, you don't want to take equity out of folks um, who can have it. So you want to kind of speak directly to folks to make sure they, especially if you're, if you're mission driven, if you have any kind of social components of what you're doing, you want to, you want to essentially 
make sure it makes sense for them, which most people aren't doing that to be quite honest with you. And so it makes it a little bit harder. Um, but we've had situations where we talk directly to homeowners. Um, so I'll, I'll let you know most, I'll let you know too, really quickly. Um, we were just finishing up a duplex conversion in North Philly. We were just standing outside the property. A homeowner just came up to us. You started talking to us. Uh, she had a number she felt good about because there were a lot of wholesalers who were just giving her like these insanely low ball offers. She gave us a number we thought was more than fair. We already knew we had just finished doing the property next door. She gave us a number that was fair. She felt good about it. And we came up with an agreement on the spot. Um, and we knew that it would work because we had just done one through Jumpstart. So for the most, we felt confident about moving forward. So that was one. And I know the last person who made a comment said they were agent. I'm a, I'm a real estate agent as well. And Derek can attest to this. Um, there were two properties in Germantown, uh, two row homes. They were being sold for $85,000 each. Um, so it's that 170 total. Um, we got them. I negotiated them down to 55000 each, so 110 in total. So it started out as retail and kind of moved into investor territory. And trust me, we if it made sense to buy 85, we would have done so. Um, but it just didn't make sense for us. That the house was just in complete disrepair. We need we needed to fix it. Um, and we just can't have tenants living that way, like at all. So um, so we were able to negotiate it down. And I think we understood our numbers and we understood where the market was right now. So we saw an opportunity and we were able to capitalize on it. And now we have some two additional properties in Germantown where we're from. Um, we can add value there. So it's very I, I hear you. It's rare and and it's hard, but it's possible um, to get it. We just did it. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Uh, next question here comes from Erica. And they were saying, post pandemic, have you had issues acquiring materials? Um, so this is sort of a construction question. But, um, you know, how, how is material sourcing and, and you know, getting that th those that key aspect of your construction budget um, been since the pandemic? Um, not so much, you know, everybody's talking about the supply chain issues and, and that hasn't really been our experience so far, but the pricing has been, um, you get a, you get a, you get a quote today and it's, it's not the same tomorrow. Um, so that's been challenging. Um, so the labor numbers have been pretty solid, but, um, the price, we just have to be very like smart shoppers, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can't go shopping at Whole Foods. We need to go to like somewhere else, like, mm -hmm. because, like we 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 have to watch and count our pennies essentially because things are they're just so volatile when it comes to that to be quite honest with you so that's a great point um, we're we're navigating that right now as we speak we feel good about labor but we're just trying to be smart about where we purchase and get quality product uh, quality materials rather um, but yeah you 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 you're thinking the right way um, we're navigating that right now as we speak cool. All right, so there's there's quite a bit of questions here. I'm going to try and go a little bit rapid fire as we as uh, we close out here. But the uh, just there's a couple I can answer. One is from Aisha. She was saying, "Is this process after the training um, and the loan app and, and the loan program is available to both training program graduates and non-training program graduates? Um, you know, certainly you you get a little bit more keyed into the JumpStart ideology and 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 the types of projects that were um, you know." Uh, passionate about funding if you go through the training um, but that doesn't stop you you know from getting started without it um, there is the half point discounted interest rate if you do go through the training program um, that, that you receive um, and then also you might have a mentor that you've received from the training program who can kind of you know might be familiar with jumpstart's loan process and, and go from there 
Um, and then the next question I can answer is from Marquise and Sharon. They were just asking, how, how do you get the loan application? Um, it's right on our website, jumpstartphilly.com slash loans. And, and maybe Angie could type that in the chat just so everybody has it. Um, and, and there's the loan app, which is like a, a web form that you fill out. And then we have the pro forma attachment, which Rakeem mentioned earlier. Um, that's where all the project numbers live. And that's kind of the, the meat of your, your deal analysis. Um, okay, great. Next, we've got a question from Keith here, and he's wondering, do you have preferred lenders for refinancing out of Jumpstart loans? Is that Keith Brooks? It is Keith Brooks. <laughs> What's up, Keith? Um, how's it going, man? Um, yeah, Keith. Uh, when we first uh, when we first started, we, we used PFCU. Um, that was really good for us. They had competitive uh, rates. They were pretty pretty solid. Um, now, again, that was. <laughs> when the 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 uh, lending climate and the interest rate climate was a little bit better. You didn't have Jay Powell getting on TV like every two seconds, like raising rates, right? So it was a little bit different then, but PFCU was solid. They were, they're, they're not really doing 30 year fix. They're doing five year resets, which might be advantageous to you depending on what your strategy is. Um, Spring Garden has a uh, they work with a, a, another banking institution that does a 30-year fixed product. They also do uh, some other products that can be turned into that. Um, and there, there are a couple of different ones, but those are two that uh, have worked out nicely for us. Um, you have, um, and there are a couple more. I'm on the spot right now. Uh, if you reach out offline, I can, I can, I can kind of yeah. let you know. So that brings up another question. Uh, people are wondering if they're, or Barry specifically is asking if he can contact you. Um, is there an email you want to give people or should I, I hold off on sending that out tomorrow? Yeah, if you want to send it out tomorrow so everybody has it. Um, it's If you have a pen ready, it's rmiller yep. at Ross Street. So that's R-O-S-S and then S-T-R-E-E-T dot com. So rmiller um, at rossstreet.com. That's probably the best way to get in contact with me. Um, if I don't answer right away, um, please don't. It's not because I don't want to. It's because I'm trying to navigate a couple of different things. Um, but But definitely, I love speaking with folks. Um, if it wasn't for other folks giving me time, I wouldn't learn as much as I have so far. So I, I never want to forget that. Um, so yeah, you can reach reach out to me through email. That's probably the best way. Awesome. So yeah, and tomorrow I'll send up, a, or, or tomorrow or Friday, I'll send out a follow-up email, which uh, will include your contact info. And um, if there's anything else you want me to send out to people, just let me know. Um, sure. The, uh, there's some more questions here. Ine is asking, earlier the 20% figure was used in relation to Jumpstart loans, but she didn't catch what it was. That's the 20% net margin. Um, so for a buy and sell project, like Raheem was saying, um, for, for approval, we're looking for a 20% net margin on the, on the sale and rehab. Um, so next question here comes from uh, Arthur. And sorry, I got to answer this one about the <laughs> Jumpstart program. He, he's saying, are you able to sign up for the Jumpstart course if you're not from Germantown? Um, and this uh, last course in the fall is actually our last virtual program and, and um, the enrollment has closed. So moving forward for our winter 2023 program, it'll be moving to uh, in-person and also Germantown area residents only because um, we have you know, limited capacity and space and everything. Um, but I just wanted to, to read that question because that's kind of relevant right now. Uh, um, Okay, Rakeem, I don't know if you can view the Q&A. Is there any here that you wanted to, to bring up and, and address? Otherwise, I think um, it might be a good time to call it. And then if anybody had, didn't get their question answered, they can uh, you know follow up with you in an email. Um, um, there's two that stand out to me. Um, sure. 
One was when finding comps, do the bedrooms and bathrooms have to be the exact or do you go off square footage? So um, I tend to want to make sure that there's the same amount of bedrooms and baths for the most part. Sometimes it might be challenging. You might have one that's like if your subject property is a three bedroom, one bath, which is pretty common in Philly. And you might have someone who added a half, you know, half bathroom or powder room on, a, on the main level. So they expect that they're going to get a bit more. So I'll try not to do that. But like that's the closest I would go as far as like making sure those numbers match. Overall, though, we want to make sure that square footage is um, it's pretty close to the subject property as, as possible because you have to almost think like how an appraiser would think, right? And, and, and I know that's easier said than done. And when you get to larger projects, you're going to have to start thinking of it differently with cap rate and such. Um, but as far as square footage, they're going to they're going to look at that a lot. Um, it, but it's 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 an art and a science because some, I've had certain properties be appraised that were two bedroom houses, but they were appraised at as if they were three because there was a lack of uh, two bedrooms in that particular area. But that's like hyper local stuff and really knowledge of, of that space. Um, so I would say you just want to kind of focus on. Does it, you know, I remember seeing Angie say a while ago, if you want to look at comps, you want to be able to stand in front of another property and have it look kind of and feel the same way as what you're talking about. That's like macro level. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, great. Um, and then I guess the the last, sorry, there's two more. If, if you could hang on for a few minutes, Rakim. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Cool. You know, I could talk all day. Cool. Uh, the, the one question here comes from Whitley and she was saying, what makes a good title company? What ask questions do you ask to vet them? So, um, you know, we, we allow any, like a jumpstart to choose their title company. They can go with anyone. Um, there's certainly like a few that we, we see more often than not. Um, what, what would you say plays in the decision of, of choosing a title company? That's a great question. Um, how accessible are they? Um, how open are they to answer your questions? Uh, what kind of fees do they have? You know, you might have some title companies that have, now you expect to have, like they're a business, right? They're in business to make money for themselves. So everybody needs to make money for themselves. But sometimes you have certain kind of charges that are like what people might call junk fees that just are out of control. And you're like, what is this charge? It's like having some crazy tax. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to be wary of that. And like anything else, you want to just get a sense and interview people. Um, when you're first starting out, sometimes folks feel like they can't interview other people. Like you're bringing them business. And if you're good at what you do, you're going to bring them return business. So it's advantageous for them to sit down and talk with you, and answer your questions. If you get a sense from a personal standpoint that they're not valuing your business, then just go elsewhere. Um, I think that's important. You want to just feel good about who you're doing business with first and foremost. Um, and then at that point, then you, you know, you're doing your research, you're asking very specific questions, and the more you do it, the more you know. But if I had to give you a technical answer, uh, look for those um, those junk those junk fees. Um, I think that's that's something that you want to look at when you're first starting out to compare those to others. And that concludes my conversation with Rakeem Miller of Ross Street Investments, a Jumpstart borrower who is joining us to discuss getting approved for your first rehab loan. The interviews on this program are recorded during Jumpstart Germantown's bi-weekly Jumpinar series, which takes place via Zoom webinar on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. If you'd like to participate in the live Q&A with our guest, be sure to head to jumpstartgermantown.com events and register for next week's Jumpinar. And if you're interested in starting a Jumpstart program in your own community, visit gojumpstart.org and see our how-to guide and open source training workbook. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. And be sure to tune in next week.